Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Hello, this is New Zealand Tech Podcast. We are at episode 114. I'm Paul Spain. Nate Dunn. John Lai. Welcome along, guys. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining me. That's right. It's, it's nice to be here. Likewise. Good to have you back, John. It's uh, it's been a while, but always good to have you here. Thank you. Hopefully, I can bring something to the table. Oh, I'm sure you will. Now, well, first up, we're talking about uh, this was a topic we we uh, managed to s- skip by last week somehow. Uh, the new fiber optic cable uh, that's been announced by a consortium of New Zealand and Australian. Um, Telcos, uh, we've got Telecom and, and Vodafone NZ uh, along with uh, Telstra in Australia who are um, throwing a little bit of money at, uh, at putting a new fibre optic cable between uh, between Auckland and uh, Auckland and Sydney, is it? Yeah, so we're going west instead of going the original Pacific fibre that sort of fell through uh, for a variety of reasons that Rodri and Sam Morgan and some of the other sort of tech heavyweights were pushing um, was going to the States. And so this one's going in the complete opposite direction, saying there's a lot more content actually coming from that Asia region. Um well, we originally had the, dis- the there was originally um, a proposal to do this going back uh, going back a couple of uh, a couple of years, wasn't there? An idea of a uh, a connection between New Zealand and just New Zealand uh, and Australia, which uh, which never uh, never came about. Certainly, a lot shorter distance from going all the way to LA, with it um, being geographically a lot closer. Sydney ge- being ge- geographically a lot closer. Um, when I first read the announcement, I had to sort of ponder because telecom's going in on this, but telecom also has their sort of uh, finger in the other pie with the uh, existing um, fiber cable. The other thing is, um, I think Call Plus were talking about how they they felt it wasn't very fair for them to be left out of the fold, and then the reply from the spokesperson was that each, as I understand, each ISP would be given a chunk of the available bandwidth there, and then they could on sell it to whoever they wanted to at whatever price they wanted to so there would actually be competition it wasn't sort of there would be just one new provider with these telecos using the cable it would in essence bring sort of three providers three new providers to the table yeah i i think um i mean in general it's good that we that we're getting another cable uh but yeah, how it's actually going to pan out, sort of competition-wise, having telecom involved. I think some people are, are somewhat uh, sceptical. What's your thoughts on that, John? Do you think that this will generally, you know, generally be good for us? I, you know, I'm I'm looking from a content uh, perspective. I think I think is will definitely be good for us in regards to, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start seeing more content being able to stream back and forth but also for the fact that now New Zealanders those who want to produce um, how do you say good quality content for the internet there's an opportunity here and then because you know you, if you look at shows especially from a video um, side of things if you look at shows like your revision threes you look at all that it could only work because in the US is, there's already fast fiber so they can get it to audiences in the quick snap of a finger so now i think new zealand we haven't seen so much content producers is because there wasn't an opportunity for this sort of connection so because of this happening uh, from a content perspective like i said it'll be interesting to see how many more info entrepreneurs that comes out of this instead of tech entrepreneurs so this will be an interesting kind of space i suppose that i'll be looking out for Sure. Now, you know, I guess yeah, in the US, very easy to you know produce content, get it out to everyone. Mm. Here in New Zealand, 
you know, we, we, we pay, you know, if we want lots of data, we want to do video exactly. stuff and so on, we pay a lot to, mm. uh, to upload that and distribute that. Mm. Uh, so your pick is this is really going to help from a competition perspective and bring down the, those costs for us to be, you know, exporting and, and importing, uh, you know, data, trans- transmitting to and fro internationally? And hopefully this kind of breaks the monopoly that, you know, that New Zealand sort of have, especially with content, because now this sort of open the floodgates for everyone. So it'll be interesting to see how the big, you know, the big players that are in this space already in New Zealand from a content point of view, how do they, you know, how do they embrace this? So, you know, it, it's definitely a, a space that is basically, you know, see what happens really. But from from what I, I feel out of this is, it, it's definitely will be a um, interesting thing to look out for for the next kind of few years ahead yeah mm. okay well well let's hope that uh, that does bring some good things and um just having a look up that um the other cable that was proposed was back in uh was back in 2008 and 2009 this was being discussed and this was cordia uh, who are the owners of of um Orcon. in fact those those brands are in the process of merging uh, now, but uh, yeah, so they were going to do that, but um, that all uh, all really fell uh, fell apart. So, um, hence, I guess, uh, good good to see something else uh, coming coming into play. The other side of it is we're seeing a lot of uh, you know providers that in the past have uh, not had any presence outside the the US in terms of where their servers are, and there's a lot more servers that are coming closer to us in New Zealand because they're uh, they're ending up in uh, in Australia. Uh, so it helps from that perspective, um, from a performance uh, and and uh, reliability point of view, having this cable. So all good stuff. Now, um, 4G, uh, as as we've discussed recently, I've been uh, been on Telecom's uh, 4G LTE uh, trial, which is of course their um, their f- the fourth generation uh, mobile network that they're testing at the moment. Uh, pretty phenomenal uh, speeds, and of course, this is just as far as we're aware, purely a test network. It's not likely to, uh, you know, actually be turned on uh, for the public. Uh, but you know, we're seeing speeds at, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, what I got today was in excess of a hundred megabits uh, download, and uh, you know, thirty odd uh, megabits upload speed, which is pretty awesome over a mobile network. <laughs> Uh, but we've got the uh, word today that it seems very likely that Vodafone this week will announce uh, their their real 4G uh, network, and uh, it seems quite likely they're going to be using their existing uh, 18 megahertz, uh, 1800 megahertz uh, band to uh, to bring that out to the market. What devices at the moment support 4G? Have we got anything at the moment? Uh, there, there are actually a lot of devices out there now at the high end. For instance, the, you know, the iPhone 5, uh, we, we're seeing um, yeah, a mix of sort of the higher end uh, Android um, handsets that are starting to be uh, um, you know, 4G or LTE capable. Uh, and of course, there's a lot more handsets um, that you know that are about to come out, and we'll uh, we'll jump into those a little bit further on uh, in the show. Uh, the Galaxy S4 and and other bits and pieces coming through, and uh, Sony Xperia Z. Uh, so yeah, I mean this is uh, this is this is definitely uh, a, you know a positive thing. Whether you need those sort of speeds down to your handset, I guess uh, in some ways is questionable for you know just direct on your handset, but for tethering that back to laptops and tablets and other devices, or, or having a, a 4G uh, you know, data stick uh, or, or um, you know, Wi-Fi sort of sharing device. There's some uh, there's some pretty cool opportunities having that sort of performance. I wonder if you can move to the fact where you know how we went with 
uh, your, your standard analog um, phone line at home. So we had everyone had a phone line, and then we got mobiles, and then slowly they dropped off, and we got naked DSL. What if we'll get to the stage where you just won't have a broadband service? You'll have your mobile, and that will, and the data plans will be so amazing, and it'll be so quick that no one will have broadband. You'll just use your mobile device and te- and tether it, say, with your PlayStation to to play online and all that sort of stuff. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, that was a discussion we did. We we have had in recent weeks, and. The, the there certainly seem to be you know segments of the community that are you know going that way they're mm. sort of bypassing fixed line connections uh, entirely uh, but you know for a lot of people that's not going to work particularly with the, the the difference that we're tending to see within mm. the plans uh, I mean there are some kind, some areas in the US as you know um, you know one at least one telco that's got you know so-called unlimited um, you know uh, LTE plans. Uh, but you know, in general, there, there's probably just not enough bandwidth to be able to mm. give everybody unlimited connection over, you know, over, for instance, LTE. So you know, hence why we end up with these data caps, and so and they're so much lower than the obviously the you know the data we're pushing for these higher data caps for our home internet connections and business internet connections. Mm. Uh, you know, we're seeing things like that 500 gig. Um, you know, offering from uh, uh, Telecom and uh, Vodafone have got their 200 gig one. That have, you know, very very reasonable pricing. Uh, but you know, the the top uh, data plan for mobile is, uh, I think it's 12 gig. Um, you know, prepay offering from uh, uh, from two degrees. So yeah, there's a really big difference there. See the question there. Do you think in New Zealand the demand for these sort of networks? Are not there. So the, uh, the reason why I said it is because when I went to um, when I went to Singapore, basically when I touched down there, I remember just switching on my phone, and then straight off the bat, there's LTE on my iPhone five, and then you know, and everything in that city is is connected. And in terms of um, in terms of the internet, so everything for them. It, it, they find a way to make sure that your life is connected when you leave the house to your office to the cafe everything they try to find to make sure that whatever work that you need to do it will be done so it's because is because maybe Singapore is the main port for business the demand is there that, that, that something like that needs to happen so the fast pace of it has to be implemented is it because in New Zealand we are not of that stature being an economy powerhouse? Oh, no, it's just, I think, it's just I mean, interesting. We're, we're very different to Singapore. You know, yeah. Singapore being a basically a, you know, a city state. Yeah. So if New Zealand was was just Christchurch or New Zealand was just Wellington or just Auckland, yeah. mm. uh, you know, you'd have a whole different sort of situation. Mm. But, you know, people are more spread out. We've got, you know, everything from, uh, you know, from farming type, you know, communities to, to yeah. you know, to the city type communities. Whereas, yeah, in Singapore, you have a lot of people compressed into a small space, and you know there, are, there, you know, there's a whole you know different sort of lifestyle there, I guess, mm. than the than the typical Kiwi lifestyle, down to you know the amount of time that's spent in, in um, uh, you know commuting on the on the MRT, so, yeah. you know, sitting on the trains mm. and 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 so on. Uh, that I think. Yeah, it's probably easier for them, uh, but there is a real, yeah, there's a real. I think there's a really strong demand for it there. I think there's demand here too, uh, but yeah, there are obviously um, you know been some some hoops to jump through for us yeah. to get from one network yes. to another. It's very expensive to yeah. roll out a mobile network across New Zealand as opposed to Singapore rolling out a great mobile network. There is 
Simple, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it's you know simple in, in relative aspects. Although, um, you know, I did um, you know hear some uh, um, uh, a, a talk by one of the um, the heads of one of the telcos over there um, at uh, a Huawei conference that they were running, uh, I think, last year, and he talked about some of the challenges that they had uh, with LTE mm. in that environment. And it's not, yeah, it's not necessarily you know super easy to get all these things rolled out and to get them working perfectly. And there's there's hoops to jump through. The advantage that we've got coming into it now is LTE is rolled out in a number of other markets. There is this sort of you know 4G uh, mobile networks in place elsewhere and. And, and so, uh, um, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, chance for them to test those things. And, yeah, it's good that Telecom are having a little bit of a, a, a go with this testing so they've got some real-world experience before they switch something on for the public. So sort of seeing what works other places and kind of learn from what they learn from and then kind of implement back to New Zealand. So it's not really a bad thing. It's just making sure that when we implement it in New Zealand, everything everything should be running smoothly then. Hopefully. Yeah, and and there's, um, I mean, there's quite a, diff- a bit of difference depending on the bands that that you run in, and, and part of the reason, uh, you know, that's been discussed for a delay in 4G coming to New Zealand is waiting for the spectrum that's currently used for broadcasting analog TV on that uh, 700 megahertz range, uh, for that to be opened up and available for uh, you know for mobile usage rather than TV broadcasts. And uh, you know we had the announcement last week from uh, from the government saying, hey, that's you know it's, it's definitely going to be uh, made available uh, end of the year. Uh, so uh, you know they'll be holding an auction and trying to you know line their pockets with uh, maybe a couple of hundred million dollars for selling off those uh, those frequencies. So uh, you know that that definitely paves the way for uh, for four G. So it is it is coming in uh, you know and it's in all its goodness and uh, you know everything that uh, that we've heard from the telcos is all of them are going to be on board now. Cool. Yeah, Vodafone might officially launch first, uh, but we'll see uh, we'll see. Uh, two degrees and and uh, and telecom, you know, obviously come to market as well. Uh, they're all you know pretty much committed to this, uh, but there's some benefit in being first to market, and uh, you know even a bit of publicity benefit for telecom and being sort of first at the moment with their sort of their, you know their 4G trial. Uh, now. Um, Talking, uh, we talked last week briefly about uh, iOS um, 6.1, some of the uh, challenges with it. Um, iOS 6.12 has come out, which apparently solves uh, most of the uh, most of the issues, certainly around uh, Exchange with that initial release. But uh, we're still hearing some reports of ongoing um, battery draining issues. John, have you experienced any of those uh, things? You yes, on my iPad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, so, but I guess the hope is that that sort of stuff settles down pretty quickly. And and you know, as we discussed previously, the I guess one of the things that Apple does have in terms of a benefit is that they're usually pretty quick at rolling out these updates, and mm. uh, they get straight past the uh, carriers. So, uh, if six one dot six dot one dot two doesn't uh, nail it, then uh, hopefully the next one will. Or trade in your iPhone and go to a Galaxy. Exactly. Sorry, I had to I, put that in there. Well, I mean, you aren't numbered. All of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> no. The, uh, well, I mean, we've got such a choice of great phones now, right? And um, I guess that you know the flip side is if if Apple stuff up too much, then um, you know it just is more of an enticement mm. for people to look at Samsung. Um, I think some of the other phones we'll talk about later on, um, you know, also um, you know highlight that uh, you know even though Samsung's doing so incredibly well, um, they can't sort of you know. 
rest on their laurels. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of competitive devices coming to market right across the board. So yes. uh, very competitive. After giving up my BlackBerry, somehow I feel like I want to. I want to play with that new BlackBerry 10. It looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah it so. does, does. Mm. Um, but yeah, we haven't we haven't seen uh, haven't seen those um, those through yet. Mm. Uh, now, um, following up last week, we also had a bit of a discussion around uh, around Chromebooks, and uh, in the interim, uh, Google uh, made official the uh, the Chromebook Pixel, which we'd heard some rumours of earlier on in the year. Uh, now this is a pretty stunning, um, you know, laptop from from what we can tell. But it's at the other end of the scale from all of the other Chromebooks. So, uh, you know, Chromebook just as a reminder is, um, you know, uh, a, a laptop or a netbook sort of type uh, device that basically just runs Google's um, Chrome browser. Um, as its main operating system, so you can't sort of run traditional sort of Windows or or uh, or Mac type uh, apps. So it's um, yeah, it's somewhat cut down on what it can do. Uh, but they've taken a really really different approach here with uh, you know this high end uh, you know i five based uh, laptop, uh, thirty two or sixty four gig um, SSD uh, for storage. Uh, but mostly, really, it's reliant on uh, on the cloud, and it's um, you know you're primarily firing up the laptop just to run a browser. You can't do um, you know some of the other things. What um, what's your take on this, John? Does um, I mean the Chromebook Pixel has this stunning, stunning screen? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the highest definition we've seen on uh, on a on a laptop screen. Um, but yeah, you can't run the traditional sort of <laughs> native. Uh, apps that you would do say on a MacBook Air, which is at a similar uh, sort of you know similar price point and and size and 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 weight, uh, or some of the Ultrabooks like the uh, Samsung Series Five we've been having a look at here earlier, mm. um, and and the um, um, you know HP Spectre XT. You know you've got a range of devices that are that are quite similar in many ways, uh, but these other ones aren't mm. cut down. Does does it? Um, do you think that the, this super high definition screen is going to be enough to get people across the line to uh, to buy these in droves i don't know whether it's me but the more that i look at it the more it kind of brings up the essence of apple you know i pr- probably i'm not the first one to say but the how it's designed the slickness of it quite minimal too isn't it yes and then and then it's it's not over complicating itself you know where if anyone were to come up with a laptop it will have all these fancy features to it you know uh, within the computer has different apps but this one basically it, it, it was meant to do its purpose which is used to do you know Chrome which is the surf of the internet so the funny thing is that how they've designed it the concept they're going with it is very similar to Apple which is simplicity so it's interesting to see how you know the, the philosophy that's changed in Google which is they don't want to do anything that is too nerdy but more the fact that how do we how do we stay cool in this market of ours? And then by just looking at the laptop itself, you know, for me, I was like, you know, I'll definitely buy it. What do you th- what do you think about the touch the touch screen? Is is that going to be you know particularly useful in this sort of instance? Because in some ways, to me, it reminds me a little bit of using Windows XP or Windows Seven. Uh, you know, with a touchscreen device, it's not you know the the operating system not you know fully geared up for. Uh, uh, you know, for touch, yeah. Uh, but the, that capability is there, or is that just a nice freebie? To, well, uh, it, to it throw just in? feels like a nice 
good to have. Yeah, you know, it, it feels like when when you have an you know, it's similar to when I have an iPad. If I want to buy a additional keyboard to it, it feels exactly like it, but it feels weird when you have it. But this one kind of, I suppose, it, it combines those two. How do I make it into a laptop at the same time? Make it touchable. On the screen as well, so I, I suppose they they take all those elements of what they've seen out in the market and make it cool, and that's and that's something that we don't always say about Google. Mm, and then mm. with the things which you're going to tell later on about, which is a Google Glass, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. You know, they're starting to move towards something that are uh, that is simple but yet appealing to the masses, which they haven't done for a long time. Yeah. So it's interesting from that point of view. So could you replace, for instance, your your MacBook that you're using now, could you replace could Ooh. you replace that with one with one of these? Are there yeah. are there apps like Skype and things like that that you need to be able to run locally? Yeah, um, like you know or, just, or can you cope with sort of letting aside those sort of things? Well it feels like what um, the Pixel is doing is basically a more advanced version of MacBook Air. You know, where MacBook Air doesn't allow you much in terms of features on it on on on, on the from laptop. the hardware yeah, perspective. Yeah, from the hardware yeah. perspective, yeah. It, it's just a more advanced version of it. So, mm. if I were to get a MacBook Air, I won't get a MacBook Air. I'll definitely get a um, Chromebook Pixel. So, oh. so that's I suppose that's a trade off. Mm. Yeah. All right. So they've got their first sale. Yes, and and the glasses as well. <laughs> I can see there's some sort of fanboy sort of thing, words floating above your head. Well, there, that's John. the thing. Like, I, I've never, I've never, con- I've always kind of, when it comes to cool, you know, cool stuff in technology, you always see yourself with Apple. And then suddenly Google is, I suppose, you know, looking at what um, Apple is doing and go, how can we be them but still say that we're Google without mm-hmm. people going, go, oh, you're just copying Apple. Mm-hmm. So they've done it. You know, so far they've done it. They've done an all right job. You know, with the with the Chromebook Pixel and also with the glass that's coming out. Yeah, they definitely seem to be uh, getting a lot sharper from a design and sort yeah. of brand perspective, don't they? What's your take, Nate? Uh, just unfortunately, due to my line of work where I've got quite specialised apps for design and programming, um, something like a thin the going back to the old thin client fat server model, which is mm. what really what this is doing, but moving the fat server into the cloud. Uh, I can see something like this being perfect for my folks, but I'm a bit more of a power user, so it just uh, doesn't really fit my mm. needs. But my needs are very specialised for what we do. Mm. However, thinking about my partner, for example, something like this would be perfect for her. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, if you don't need to run Photoshop and you don't need to run mm. some audio recording and things like that, or there's some you know basic sort of cloud type equivalent that'll you know do something for you, then uh, uh, then then you're away, right? But um, I guess we're, we're just seeing that whole blurring between devices and, and you know, virtually everything that we see is cut down in some way. You know, we looked at the Microsoft Surface, uh, you know, la- last week, the Surface Pro, and uh, very, very powerful. But, you know, of course, it is a little bit cut down from a full-blown uh, laptop, right? It doesn't have, you know, three or four USB 3 ports and, and, and so on, right? It's got, got one and, you know, th- those sorts of things. So, uh, But I think there are, there are you know... As as users, we're we're uh, we're finding that a lot of those corners can be cut off. And we don't necessarily need everything all the time. Or do you? Or, or my other question is: Do you think as as users to the platform already, or do they have more of a, a wider mass market in mind? Because, like what Nate said, you know, suddenly suddenly the uh, the Chromebook Pixel 
can be something that you know your your grandparents use or someone that is not of tech savviness to use this sort of product. So do they suddenly realize that hey, you know, we're already catered to this market already, but you know what Apple has done is catered to everyone else. How can we be in that market as well? So do you think a lot of these companies are starting to go? All right, what does every Buddy else want to use when they use their laptop? You know, what do they find easy? Do you do you think that's where, in terms of the next design and all these laptops are coming? Is that where they're going? Where they have the mass market in mind? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always edge things that individual people do, and I mean that's why we see so many people are, are you know are still using Windows. They haven't moved to say Mac or iPad and other things because there are there are just bits and pieces that, that they're used to doing. But you know, if we we look ahead, you know, I think in some ways that the um, uh, the Chromebook Pixel is sort of is a device for the you know is a device for the future, mm. uh, where there's you know there's more and more and more that we can do online within a br- the context of a browser. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think still today there are there are lots of things. Even a mainstream audience uh, is used to doing that. Maybe you know will we'll sit outside of a browser, mm. and it doesn't even have to be lots. It just has to be one or two things mm. that that complete the picture for them. Mm. Uh, and and those things will get filled in. For instance, you know today we run Skype as an application on our device. Well, you know it won't be too long. We'll be able to run Skype entirely in a browser. You know HTML5. You don't need to run that app. Oh, okay. Well. That's mm. another thing that's crossed off the list. I suppose the equivalent for that on the platform must be Google Talk, which we're finding that we use at the office quite extensively, especially the the video and the chat functionality. It just all ties in because we use Google-hosted apps. It all just mm. works really well. You can just go bang, bring up a quick video, have a chat to someone, and shut it down. So... I and, think, and that's what, yeah, I think, and that's what we're seeing is all of those types of capabilities can move to to the browser as Google have started and generally work natively in the browser for most of their things from the, you know, from the get go. So it works extremely well if you're within their ecosystem. Mm. Uh, but you know, you look today how widespread, you know, and, and Skype's just an example, but how widespread, you know, certain apps like Skype are, mm. uh, and they've got huge adoption. So uh, you know, that limits that audience until it until it becomes web based. You know. Photoshop and you know various apps like that that you know, don't have sort of a web equivalent just yet, but over time uh, you you can imagine we'll be able to do all these things via the web. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation Four, a little announcement that just sort of popped up last week. I think this announcement is very timely, considering I just bought a PS3 from a particular someone who may be sitting in this room who may have preempted the fact that my PS3 is now completely dropped in value with PS4. What do you think, Paul? Um, yeah, no, it was all no a, comment. it was all a ruse to get rid of my uh, my PS3, uh, knowing that Thought a PS4 so. would be coming out this year. Uh, I wasn't actually expecting it quite so soon. Um, I want a refund. Uh, 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 this is really uncomfortable, guys. Uh, you put me in a real spot here. Um, no, I think I mean it's I, it's quite exciting that we've got these new uh, you know these new devices coming, and you know if we look at uh, what. Um, you know what's happening with consoles they're no longer just a games machine mm. and you know uh you know you can run a whole bunch of apps you know on the PlayStation 3 right now for instance 
uh, you know, there's video editing on there and, you know, all sorts of things, as well as all of the, the general entertainment capabilities. Um, and, you know, similar in the Xbox world. Uh, but it is quite a number of years since, uh, you know, the, the uh, PlayStation 3 was first launched. 2007. 2007. So we're talking, you know, six odd years by the time uh, PlayStation 4 launches in 2006, I think, for the Xbox uh, 360. Uh, so you know, even even further back. So um, yeah, hopefully by the end of this year we'll see um, you know we'll see something new in the market from um, you know from Sony and and from uh, Microsoft in terms of those um, new generation devices. Mm. Uh, but anything that stood out in the features for you for you guys, one thing that I noticed um, that came through today was talk of uh, all of the uh, you know the games and so on that you know traditionally you're going you know buy at a store on a Blu-ray disc. That everything will be available yeah, right. digitally, so you don't ever have to walk into a store uh, to buy a game anymore if you've got a mm. big enough data cap you'll just be able to download or, or stream down that uh, that application you know I'm with you on that um, um, Paul that that to me from a business perspective that's how you turn money over and over again for PlayStation now the downside of this the you know the game stores that we always go in your is it E3 is that right e- EB games EB games you know yeah. so what becomes of them you know so that's that's the that's the question that i'm i'm suddenly going you know do they become the next lot of your video easies where the next flicks came in you know they, rockbusters yeah. yeah yeah exactly well you i know? think yeah the reality is is that you know retail in many regards that we see today will disappear mm, you know you yeah. go in and buy a game well you don't need to do that anymore because of digital distribution you go and buy a movie you go and buy a book you go and buy a, you know whatever it is you go and buy a computer uh, you know, we're moving to dis- digital distribution. You want a Microsoft Surface? Well, yeah. When they first launched it, it was only available via an online store. But mm. we're going to see, I think, more and more of that. And the costs associated with retail outlets uh, will mean that to walk into a mall, as we do today, I think in uh, in ten years that will be a very different experience. And uh, I'd be, yeah, very scared if I was an an investor in, uh, um, you know. And that's and that mm. sort of thing because mm. uh, you know the the sort of revenue that those uh, malls generate is going to have to uh, drop as people move to buying online. Yeah, and and like you said, the the online feature for the PlayStation Four stood out more for me than them showing their <laughs> their console. I mean, sorry, their controller. Yeah, well, yeah. they didn't actually show the show what the PlayStation Four oh, looked nice, like. It's that. nice PR for them. Hey, yeah. You know what? We're gonna just drop the um, the controller, and then maybe a few months later, we'll drop the whole thing. So it's keep. So it's good to keep everyone on edge. But like you know, going back to the online feature, I think the fact that you know being able to subscribe or buy the games online, it's just now. It just means that prices for games will mean it has to drop somewhat because at the moment buying a game or something is either $50 or $119 hmm. so because of the you know the margin that people can potentially make out of this you know being able to drop it they can recruit it with volume so it'll be interesting again from a business point of view to see how the prices are changed would they still be the same because if it's still the same then I then I can then it doesn't make sense in my mind. But if they do drop it a little bit to make sure that the volume keeps churning away, then that makes sense because you know that's mm. that's what Netflix and all the Hulu does because it that's ba- the expectation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. That's digital the prices come down. Exactly. Go from you know buying CDs to buying MP3s, lower, lower price. That's yeah, the and then you get you yeah. get the volume through. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh well, let's uh, yeah, let, let's certainly hope that's the case. I mean, there, there is a huge amount of info online and, and videos and so on around uh, the PlayStation <coughs> Four launch. So if you're interested in that, it, it is well worth having a um, having having a look. There's a lot more info to come. I think you know, smart in many ways of them to leave a bit of mystery there. Uh, you know, because it is still a, a fair way off for the product. And uh, yeah, you know, I guess they they just don't want to entirely show their hand just yet, and uh, they want to wait and see what uh, what Microsoft does too. Uh, now, one uh, device just managed to get hands on in the last uh, few days from uh, from the guys at Panasonic is the new uh, Lumix uh, GH3 camera. Uh, now, this is a pretty outstanding camera, actually. Um, I've been quite a big fan of um, of, of some of um, Sony's new uh, cameras that are um, not a traditional, um, you know, SLR camera, but they have replaceable uh, lenses. Uh, but this is an area where Panasonic have been extremely strong in. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I've been playing around with the um, GH3 over the last few days, which just launched in New Zealand in the past few weeks. Uh, stunning camera, really, really good quality. Um, it's coming in um, just under $2,000, so it's not a low-end, uh, low-end camera, but it's very, very fast to shoot. And it uses a format called Micro Four Thirds, so it's not um, the full-size sort of uh, sensor or camera back as you'd see in a um, digital SLR. Uh, but it uses some slightly different technology. So when you look look through the uh, the viewfinder, you're not actually um, you're actually seeing a digital image rather than actually looking right through the lens as you would do with uh, with an SLR. Um, but the the reason for that is there's some smart stuff going on in, inside the camera, and it allows them to, uh, you know, do do focusing on the fly and a bunch of other bits and pieces. So it's incredibly fast to focus, uh, and you know, take those sort of quick shots. Does really really um, good quality video as well. Uh, so you know, right at that sort of professional um, end. It's got built-in Wi-Fi. I think we were having a play before, weren't we? And, and you can yeah. set it to. So I assume to like your Flickr account or wow. or wherever. And yeah, and we've seen that you know traditionally in sort of lower end cameras having the built in Wi Fi. Um, interesting, doesn't have a built in uh, GPS, which which the um, you know the, the Sony um, um, A sixty five that I use does, but. Um, not not really a big deal, but that that Wi-Fi I think could be a you know killer feature if you're doing a lot of um, you know footage or video and so on. Being able to just sync that straight back down to uh, say a laptop or push it up into the cloud, so it lets you tie in with their uh, their own cloud service. Uh, so there's a range of ways that you can utilise that uh, Wi-Fi. You can use Wi-Fi to push it up to your TV as well, for instance. Nothing for the hipsters like filters. <laughs> Um, I think that I take actually, a photo and swipe, and then you can put all the different filters. I on. think there are, there, are, there is a little bit of that sort of stuff in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, awesome. have it, didn't dive in, you know, fully yet. Um, but yeah, there there is a there are a bunch of sort of a you know effect type uh, things that you can do on it. So who you know because I've got a you know I've got a Canon seven D. Mm. So I suppose that if I'm looking into something like the Lumix, uh, what is you know from from your experience, what's the the point of difference like what what do you see from I mean from from the Lumix that you go wow this is different you know so besides the uh, the digital side of things like is there anything else that kind of stood up for you well you're ending up with a smaller to- uh, size um, camera um, just 
just pass that across the room to John. Uh, you're ending up with a sort of, you know, a somewhat a somewhat smaller size, um, you know, device, not incredibly smaller, mm-hmm. um, because of that smaller sensor and, and and the way that it works. Um, but really, you know, people that are existing already with, um, you know, with Canon and, and and Nikon being the sort of the two big, you know, brands in the digital SLR space. Wow, that's uh, you know, generally they've got a lot of lenses and so on, and you know, they're not that keen to uh, to make a change. Uh, but you know, for people that are starting out from uh, from scratch, or have got a particular requirement that this this might uh, uh, you know suit for you know filming and and, and so on. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah definitely worthy worthy of consideration. So uh, yeah, nice to see that launched um, launched here in New Zealand anyway, um, reasonably quickly I think after the um, the international launch. And also just to quickly pick up on that, I'm just testing it out right now. And, you, and you're right, the in terms of the focus, in terms of what I could. You know, straight off the bat, do on my SLR. Mm. There's no way I can. You know, there's no way I can do on my SLR way with this. Yeah, you like got that full live view. Yeah, haven't full you? live view. Especially the fo- that's the I think that's the seller part. It's the focus part mm. where mm. with the SLR, even such a close angle, you still can't find that right. Mm. The right, mm. you know, the right pitch. I suppose where this one, you can see it focusing in in, in such clear view as well. So. That that by itself, I can see it's it's a winner in mm. regards to that. So it's pretty it's pretty. And impressive. there are a number and a number of companies that have jumped on board with that micro four thirds, um, you know, format as well. Uh, so yeah, interesting, um, an interesting space to watch, and definitely worth looking at if you're you're looking at that sort of higher end type camera. Don't just look at the traditional digital SLRs now, uh, because these devices are actually are actually pretty phenomenal. Mm. Um, and you know, worth looking at the Sony Sony stuff too. Um, that's certainly the track I went down. But after looking at this, I was sort of wondering, you know, whether I'd I'd made uh, yeah made the wrong decision. Uh, probably the right decision at the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, again, great to see uh, great to see lots of competition and innovation uh, now um, snack media are about to uh, they're launching on the New Zealand uh, stock exchange uh, shortly now um, John you're involved with uh, with with some events um, uh, going back uh, a month or, or two uh, with uh, with Derek Handley who's the uh, chairman of the board at uh, at snack media yes Um You've heard a little bit about what uh, what what's Snack are doing in this sort of uh, mobile advertising space. What's your uh, what's your pick on this? Do you think uh, um, there's a lot of potential for uh, for Snack Media? Well, especially with you know the just by going back to some of your stories with the 4G that's launching, mm. it's perfect. They've they've you know they've they've come into a market where the market is ripe and ready for their picking basically because now and in previously where mobile advertising hasn't played a a huge part in New Zealand because again it doesn't have it doesn't support that sort of instantaneous especially in advertising where now the opportunity with 4G that's coming out the you know the it, it becomes endless and then with what they're doing creativity you can you can say that creativity will run wild which is which is quite exciting. So this space again in New Zealand is such a a green space that no one has kind of claimed to claim the spot yet. So Snake Media is in the in the right position to kind of kind of you know uh, te- you know get that opportunity and run with it. So and I suppose in the next kind of year or so, it'll be interesting to see what sort of real time advertising will come out of all this so yeah it's it's exciting time and yeah they've 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 come to market at the right time 
Yep, and uh, and obviously doing things right across the uh, you know the Asia Pacific region. Yep. So uh, you know a lot of opportunity for them to. Uh, uh, to get out and, and and win export dollars and so on too. So, yeah, we'll keep following uh, following up on uh, on that one, and uh, we'll you know report back as we we hear on their progress. But if you know if you're you're interested in investing in the in the in the tech space, uh, and you like to have a little bit of a, a dabble, or or or, um, or you're more serious uh, in terms of uh, the stock exchange, then uh, yeah, that that's definitely one with. Uh, having a look at uh, now, uh, of course, it's been Mobile World Congress on this week, and and that's you know really the biggest week in uh, in you know usually mobile and three uh, G and four G and and so on type uh, you know announcements uh, on the sort of the annual calendar, I guess. Uh, it used to be called 3GSM, didn't it? But uh, of course, there's you know the whole mobile world keeps changing. So to label it after uh, technology doesn't really doesn't really work. Not a particularly uh, smart move at this side at this point in time. So uh, mobile world congress it is now. Uh, now a few things that have come out this week: um, Samsung Galaxy S4. Uh, it seems all but confirmed that we'll see an announcement from uh, Samsung on uh, on March the uh, the fourteenth. Now. That's um, they probably couldn't have left their announcement much longer because we've got some other devices that are uh, that are starting to get some attention. Uh, Sony with their um, uh, Xperia Z uh, has a launch here in New Zealand on on Thursday and has already launched, I think, in a couple of markets around the world, uh, which is an absolutely stunning Android uh, handset, that's, which we've talked about uh, before. And of course, we looked at that during uh, during CES in, in Vegas early uh, early January. Uh, but a few other devices. Um, anything that sort of particularly uh, jumped out to uh, to you guys that you're excited about? There's this also the um, uh, Xperia uh, Tablet Z um, that was uh, that was that was confirmed uh, over the last uh, day or so as well, uh, coming out from Sony, a very super thin um, and waterproof um, tablet. Hmm. I think just quickly on my one, I think what really stood up for me is the Galaxy S4 incorporating Visa's mobile pay- payment program. So, you know, they're, they're slowly getting into the, the, the payment space, which we all thought that when um, the iPhone 5 come out, there'll be some sort of chip mm. in it to, to help, you know, the big Visa's, the big MasterCards and all that to kind of do the pay pay and swipe of some sort that we, mm. we already got. Yep, tap so, and pay. Yeah, so it's interesting to see Galaxy jump on this and go hey there's an opportunity here let's run with this so for me it's the integration of your phone which is basically almost like your life and then how do you incorporate basically your um, your wallet at yeah, the same well, time you can get rid of having to carry a wallet exactly. and a phone right that, that makes a lot of sense so with with the uh, and we've talked about Nearfield communication technology before or NFC uh, but it you know, hasn't gained a lot of traction you know here in New Zealand or most countries but this tie up between uh, uh, Visa and uh, and Samsung really you know I think assures that it's going to really uh, you know become very very mainstream and this mm. will just allow you to tap your phone uh, onto the payment terminal now uh, Nate with your uh, Cafe, you've got tap and pay capability there already? Yeah, we've had tap and go for probably about a year now um, to the fact where our terminal doesn't support you can get the terminals where the, the tap and go functionality is actually mm. built directly into the terminal and we've mm. got a secondary device that sits off the side. Right. Um, I've got a blog post queued up which I really need to finish. I sent a whole lot of questions through to ASP who's my bank and our merchant bank about 
questions around NFC and, and cards and, and and release. And my blog post that sort of goes on that I think the technology is fantastic. The the th- the, th- the falling over I see in the stack is the fact that people have the cards, which is what we see, but they have no idea that they've got them. To the fact where if someone comes up and pays and we say, hey, look, or one of my staff says, hey, look, you've actually got PayPass or PayWave, hold it here on the terminal their eyes light up like you've just done a magic trick to the fact where most of them which is actually really good for business most of them will actually then buy another coffee get their friends around that they're with and say hey guys watch this and then they'll beep it again so because all you have to do is you you put it in the vicinity you you, you hold it against you tap it on you hold it against the reader I'm not sure what how far it has to be away but what we end up doing is just hold it hold it near the reader it takes about a second you don't need to put in a pin it's far quicker then especially the chip cards, we've got to insert it, wait and wait and wait, put on your pin, wait and wait, and then pull it the out. The whole pin thing's gone, but you've got a, a limit like eighty dollars maximum, Correct. you know, ma- uh, maximum, okay. you know, transaction size. So there'll be you know certain situations like you know they're talking about it for the supermarkets. Well, you know it's great because most of their transactions are under eighty dollars, but a lot of them, of course, are, are over that. So in that sort of case, you've still got to uh, you know go through and do your uh, do pin. your yeah you know, pin and 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 so on manually as you would would today. See, so we made the decision really early on. Um, that we all the equipment that we've got at the cafe like look thinking about the point of sale we actually own the one piece of equipment that we rent or lease is the FPOS terminal mainly from the last upgrade that they did and then with NFC as that gets better and they improve that I don't want to be stuck with a I think the terminals are quite expensive I think about 12 1500 bucks retail hmm. um I don't want to be stuck with a terminal so I can actually say to my provider which is what I did when we got the tap and go hey look I want this Get you it can to always, me. always have the latest technology, and they sent it straight out, which was yeah, fantastic. That's great. Uh, now, so yeah, I think that's an ex- interesting space to uh, to follow. I think it will make life a whole mm. lot easier when when that becomes you know ubiquitous, like FPOS is today. You don't really need to carry cash in New Zealand. I think in some ways we've been quite unusual as a country in those regards. That we and were quite sort fortunate, of, you know, at the same time. right at, right at the forefront of that. Uh, whereas other countries have been a lot more mm. a lot more difficult. But you know, I th- I've I've noticed in my you know my travels Australia, US, and so on um, that actually in those places it's becoming a lot better than what it was sort of mm. you know through four or five years ago uh, you know in regards to just being able to travel with with say a credit card and you know you can get away with that uh, although in, you know a lot of places and, and even you know here in New Zealand to a degree you know you've got these limits or oh, you've got to be spending more than 20 or 30 dollars before you can use your credit card in, in Melbourne when I was over there doing work I'm um yeah, with a couple of cafe owners over there, and they were saying that it's because of the bank limits is why they actually put in, because FPOS for them is not a cheap undertaking. That's why they have those minimums where you've got to spend over a particular amount to be able to use credit cards. And I don't think it's fully fair to say that um, they're completely, um, you know, we're sort of behind the times. I was reading yesterday or the day before about how um, Obama's trying to look at getting rid of the penny. And the Americans have tried and tried and tried, and they're one of the last countries still with a penny and the resistance he's getting. So I think every country's got its weird quirks with their banking <laughs> systems. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, other devices that have sort of been announced uh, this week or you know, we've heard about, um, Samsung Galaxy Note 8, which, which is interesting. So that's just another form factor um, you know, tablet there from Samsung. And, of course, 8-inch, well, that's virtually the same as the, uh, the iPad Mini, which comes in with a 7.9-inch screen. Did I read somewhere that, uh, that Samsung at the moment has got something like 13 or 11 different 
size devices sitting in the market. So Probably when number. we consider the Windows and the Android uh, devices, uh, yeah, that, that that's probably true. Um, the Note, of course, also including the um, you know the the, the stylus. Uh, one of the, a couple of the other ones, uh, Nokia announced their um, five twenty and seven twenty. Um, Lumia uh, smartphones. Now, interestingly, the 520, uh, we're hearing sort of figures of that coming out at around US $180 odd, which, uh, you know, for a, um, a reasonably capable smartphone, if that, you know, translates through to, uh, you know, similar pricing in New Zealand, by the time we bump uh, GST on that, you know, we're looking at a, at a um, you know, quite a capable smartphone for around 250 uh, New Zealand dollars, which isn't, uh, isn't too bad. It there seems to be lots of um, hybrid devices at this uh, mobile world, especially one that I saw, which was interesting when I watched a CNN um, report, which is um, Asus and Intel showed the new version of the Asus phone pad. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah, which is pad, a mixture between, yeah, a yeah. padlet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that this year there's a lot of, as they call it, the padlet, padlets that are going around, which is... Fablets. Fablets? Yeah, yes, yeah. Fablets. Yeah, that's the term, isn't it? So, is that... Is, I don't know. It's just from from your point of view, you guys, uh, what do you think? Do you think is a, is a good idea to kind of start mixing and matching things to see what the market is good at? Or is this a, a sign of desperate? This. I don't know. It's just why. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, pro- it's probably a bit. Uh, it's probably a bit of both. Uh, you know, I think. Um, you know, Asus by coming out with something that uh, yeah, a little bit unique with um, the phone pad, which is the the, the tablet, the seven inch uh, phone pad, mm. uh, and then the the pad f- phone uh, Infinity, which, which um, you know that, that that's new as well. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that that's good. There, there's certainly been some people that have just absolutely loved these devices to bits because they are, you know, they are quite different to, uh, uh, you know, to what mm. what anyone else is is doing. Um, you know, that that definitely make you know makes some sense. Um, you know, a, a phone that sort of can turn into a into a tablet and so on. Um, yeah, whether they're going to gain much market share. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. But I mean, looking at the longer term, you know, we talked about for years this idea of a of a phone that ends up. You know, you you'll walk into your mm. say your office or you sit down at a screen, mm. and there won't be a PC there. You know, your phone yeah. in your pocket will drive it all. And as your phone comes into range with the with the big touch screen and maybe a keyboard or mouse, or whatever devices you use, uh, that'll be controlled off the phone in your pocket. And you know, we're starting to see now the amount of power. And you know, for instance. Um, you know the the Galaxy S three here. Um, you know that that's you know, quad core processor. You have got a lot of RAM, a lot of processing. Um, you know that's got more grunt than than some of the tablets or or even PCs that are in existence today. So um, you know I think we're seeing these various new categories of devices starting to come through, and maybe not all of them will succeed. Uh, but you know I think people are unique enough that there isn't a one size fits all that's just going to work for everyone. Uh, you know, and we see that today with people that are just, you know, they'll travel with just an iPad and say, hey, this does everything for me. Um, you know, a lot of people more be like Nate, they're a bit more power users and they say, well, I'll, I'll take my I'll take my tablet uh, maybe, but I also need my laptop because I need to be able to run all these dev applications or I need to run Photoshop or, you know, other bits and pieces. Um, so, you know, it'll come down to what, what individual people get comfortable working with. 
And if you start working on one of these maybe more unusual devices and you like it, uh, you might never want to change. So as long as it sticks around, you'll stay using it. So it's exciting times for the R&D department for the next five years then. Or five or so years. Yeah, I think for the foreseeable future, plenty of chance for uh, for for innovation, which yes. is which is awesome. great. I think one thing I learned with all my travelling, and I'm doing a fair bit of travel this year as well, is it, um, especially with you've got multiple devices. My advice would be pick a device that you like, and that will get you through your travel, especially if you're doing multiple stopovers, and just stick with that one device. Don't think, oh, yep, yeah, I'll take the iPhone, I'll take the iPad, and I'll take my laptop, and I'll just carry them all with me. And you've got to have a couple, though. You've got to have a phone plus oh, or something else. I find it's far but you're far better to travel lighter especially um, you know i was running to catch flights um in the states and you're far better to be lighter simple is definitely more travel a lot lighter um and you don't end up having all the stress too with even basic things like oh did i leave my phone in the back pocket of the airline seat so you didn't take a phone I just carried uh, my phone around, actually. Oh, you just did everything on your phone. I yeah, did everything and, on my phone. Uh, I think and I think if you're if you're travelling for a shorter trip, that is, you know, that is possible to do. But I, I think it also reflects back into the fact that that you know we are unique, and and what will work for you might be, mm. you know might not mm. be the same for everyone. But I have come across quite a few people just saying, look, I can do so much on my smartphone now. Uh, when I travel, that's the that's the device I take. So um, and I, all the I get that. all the airlines in the states now uh, bring out Wi-Fi, which would be amazing to get here. And you just find it's so much easier mm. to waste time when you actually have the internet at uh, how many thousand feet that you're sitting at. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, um, yeah, there was a bunch more, uh, you know, bit, bits and pieces that were um, uh, announced with Mobile World Congress. Um, some, yeah, some some cool gadgets. We're certainly seeing more uh, phones come through uh, with these um, uh, full HD uh, screens as well. Uh, new Android, um, you know, higher end Android device from uh, Huawei, the P2 that got announced. Um, and Nate, there was a um, a particular uh, product. Um, oh, just before we jump into that one, uh, and HP today announced that they're uh, that they're jumping back sort of into the uh, the smaller tablet game with a uh, a seven inch Android tablet that's going to come in at one hundred and sixty nine US dollars. So um, yeah, fascinating to see a little bit more about what uh, HP's plans there. Uh, but Nate, tell us about the new uh, gesture control uh, device. Uh, that um, we, we watched a, a video just before we uh, we started. Now this is a device that you uh, uh, you strap around your arm, right? So it's a and I'm. Can you have? <laughs> I have I'm lost the bookmark on my phone. Um, it's a device that straps around a sort of where your forearm is. I must I can't remember who tweeted it today. It's it's just down from your elbow and. Um, it detects the uh, you've obviously got no uh, muscles in your fingers you've got the the tendons that go back to your forearm so it sits there and detects and so it knows when you move fingers when you sort of twist your arm back and forward and watching the um, the promo video which showed the capability of of showing a presentation where you didn't have to have a clicker, someone um, cooking some food with their sort of um, hands are, are filthy and they don't want to be touching their laptop because they're going to get food all over it, where they can just gesture to make their laptop um, the video pause and then rewind. I was just thinking, oh, I'd love to get one of these and do a demonstration. Um, you know, if you're presenting and you don't have to hold a clicker, anyone that's done big presentations is annoying to hold and having something like this not only frees up your hands but is also super cool. 
Uh, what's the URL? So, so it's um, it's getmyo.com, G-E-T-M-Y-O.com. Now, a couple of things to consider. They've, they've put out a uh, launch price of 149 US dollars. They've said shipping late 2013, but then it says limited number available. So they're trying to build up a bit of demand. Uh, but you can imagine if, it, if it's that far out that there's still a lot of the R&D going on, and we just don't know how good this product will be. I mean, with a lot of this sort of buzz around new products uh, that, you know, sound really cool but we don't quite know how how good it will be when it lands how well it will tie into things but the concept of it and the video is well worth the watch uh is is pretty cool especially especially i think the tech one of the tagline was unleash your inner jedi so you know i'm sure when it when it launched it will have a lot of uh you know a lot of people queuing up wanting to be the next luke skywalker so we should be fun i know you're going to be ordering one uh, I'm, I'm, i'll be up all night one, one for refresh, each, each refresh. Arm, every leg that'll uh, be awesome yeah and then yeah. i'll try to i, I think it, it, it brings back the memory of a Super Bowl ad I watched which is this young little kid Vader that he dressed up is for a Volkswagen ad and then he tries to that's right yeah, yeah. so he's trying to move the car stop the car so I'm sure this will suddenly be that cool toy that six year olds which when I was six I never had a chance to play with so this is exciting times for innovation as you mentioned so absolutely alright well that wraps it up for uh, for this episode uh, now John we can uh, catch you on Twitter it's at I am John Lai, is yes, that right? Yes, it's I A M John Lai, L A I. And social media NZ is that the best place to sort of see your your blogging? You've also got your own website. Yes, my um, my, my my personal my, one. My personal one at the moment is going through a revamp. Uh, okay. You know, two thousand three means good things. So hopefully. I'm still working on that. So uh, well, you can find me on my other platform, which is Social Media NZ. Uh, so that's socialmedianz.com. Nice. And uh, Nate, you're always easy to track down at Nate on Twitter. Very simple, very simple to find at Nate on Twitter. And um, Nate Dunn is my blog, which is powered by the lovely folk at Geek Zone. And mine is there too, uh, which is uh, techjungle.com, uh, thanks to Geek Zone. Uh, and I'm on uh, Twitter as well, nice and easy, Paul Spain. Uh, so that's us and you can of course find the NZ Tech Podcast online at nztechpodcast.com uh, Facebook slash NZ Tech Podcast uh, also the same on uh, on Twitter uh, and, uh, and, on, and on Google Plus from, um, from time to time so thanks everyone for listening in catch you next week see ya and uh, hopefully this week's uh, audio won't have the same uh, technical delay and will be online much quicker than, uh, than last week so apologies for those who are wondering where it was uh, there was a technical hitch that only a very small number of you were able to, uh, to get it until uh, fairly late in the week alright see ya